The following is a presentation of the Wide Open Mic Podcast Network. For information on this and other podcasts, please go to www.wideopenmic.net. Players, two sides. Do you have any idea how badly I want to kill you? One is light. Hey, damn it, run! One is dark. We're the good guys, Michael. Son of a bitch. Don't ever tell me what I can't do, ever! Dude? You all, everybody? Let's go, friends. You all, everybody? You all, everybody? Acting like it's stupid people when expensive clothes. I love you, Benny, but if we can't live together. Nice, as friends. I've always loved you. We're gonna die alone. Don't you leave me. I'm so sorry. Guys, we have to go back, Kate. I love you. We have to go back. We have to go back indeed. We all have to go back. With me is the great Keith. (laughs) And the great Fuge. What's happening, my friends? And the not nearly as not great is the great Taz. I don't know what that means. Happy my friends. (laughs) All right. Hey, I figured. I figured if there was a good intro to sing that song, it was this one, right? A, ne- a better yeah, time no. has never been had. Yes. Call Keith. All right. So we are back uh, to continue our lost train as we dive in the moth and. Honestly, this is uh, a very, I think, a very important episode. I think uh, Charlie was an instant fan favorite. I know when I watched this show, the main reason I watched it was because of the guy from Lord of the Rings in it. So I was pretty excited about wait, that. Wait, 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 wait. He's from Lord of the Rings? <laughs> Charlie, are you being funny? No, I, I, who is he? Yeah, who's he in Lord of the Rings? He's Mary. Like a Who the fuck is Mary? Mary and Pippin, the two hobbits that go on the journey. Oh, he's them. the hobbit. Oh. Yeah. oh. <laughs> I'm just with future. I didn't even know that. Really? <laughs> That's a, I'm like the ultimate virgin in this show. I'm a, like a I was not a big fan of Lord of the Rings, so I'm not surprised that I didn't know that. I I was wow. I was not until in college I took modern British literature where we had to read the entire Lord of the Rings, which you think would make me like it less, but I like it more, right? I took a Lord of the Rings literature class too. It was fun. It was Gunner over here. Governor or Gunner over here spitting facts. I know. I just didn't uh, particularly care for the films. Uh, uh, You know, no, I'm a Lord of the Rings fan, but I just didn't put two and two together until you said it. And then I saw him as a hobbit and I'm like, Oh yeah. I thought you were joking. I thought, how could anyone not know that? I know that. No, I did not know that either. Like, I've, I've watched I'm Lord of the Rings so many times. I was like, "There's no way they, these guys are serious. They can't <laughs> not know that." <laughs> and yet, I'm here we are. Harry from Lord of the Rings. Oh, this is actually good. so. I was uh, speaking to guys that are in other things. I was watching an episode of Star Trek, and John Locke was on there as uh, Will Riker's old captain. Right. Right. Who was up to no good? I was like, holy crap. Was he, <laughs> he starting to make trouble in the neighborhood? Yeah, right. He's <laughs> one of the later seasons. He's a like he's a captain that's kind of like gone too far. 
Well, yeah, they were doing some like crazy experiments and the crew like mutinied and stole the ship. uh, And he was like back to collect it because the Federation was uh, violating the treaty and making some cloaking technology. I just watched this yesterday. That's why I know all this. It's not like (laughs) that shit memorized. This this guy's been in a lot of things, you know, uh, Terry O'Quinn. When I first saw him in uh, uh, old school, I'm like, dude, freaking Locke, John Locke. How did I not know? He's in a lot of places. And it's just, it's great that he found this like, and I don't think he's been in anything since that has been quite like this. This is very iconic for him. But he's iconic. Well, this is the role of his life i think yeah, he had hair in star trek so it was very oh did he really recognize him. <laughs> yeah. oh that's cool it was like halfway through well, the episode and i realized who he was all right did we did we sidetrack from the intro of the of the episode <laughs> that's okay <laughs> that's okay well let's reel it in then to the moth let me throw out some facts for you uh episode seven of the moth uh it originally aired on 11 3 uh, it was directed <laughs> again by Jack Bender, who uh, directed a, this. I think the third one we've seen. It was written by Jennifer Johnson and Paul Dini. Do you guys know who Paul Dini is? Mm-mm. Well, I'll get was to he, that. Was 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 he in The Hobbit? No, I'll get to him in a okay, sec. I, I just looked him up. <laughs> he was okay. If player. we're if we're gonna go there, here I got some notes on him. Uh, I'm just gonna read this. Um, as I wrote it, just because I think it's pretty interesting. So uh, this was my notes. We'll skip ahead a little. This episode was co-written by Paul Dini, who's a legend in the animated world. Um, He's written for such animated shows as Mighty Mouse, Fat Albert, the Gary Coleman show. You guys remember the Gary Coleman cartoon? I do remember. Yeah, of course. Uh, Gilligan's Planet, Flash Gordon, the 1983 Incredible Hulk cartoon, Dungeons and Dragons. Planet. It was a futuristic Gilligan's Island cartoon that oh, had like spaceship was marooned on something planet. like that. It had John Denver and stuff doing the voices too. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> let's see, Dungeons and Dragons, Ewoks, and Droids, all of which I watched. Mr. T, He Man, GI Joe, Scooby Doo, Transformers, Smurfs, Gem, Pound Puppies, Garbage Pail Kids, the animated show, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, Tiny Toons, Animaniacs, Pinky and the Brain, the Clerks cartoon, Star Wars, the Clone Wars, and way, way more. So basically you're saying my entire childhood. Exactly. But but the thing that made Paul Dini a legend, like, yeah, he wrote for all these shows, but he... um, did all these DC shows like uh, Batman, the animated series. He created yes. that. Yes. Um, okay. And he did a Superman show. Um, but the coolest thing about Paul Dini, uh, that he was the creator of Harley Quinn, who first showed up in the Batman animated series. And from that TV show, she was so beloved that they put her in the comics books and now she's in the movies. So that's kind of his claim to fame is that he created uh, Harley Quinn. And like we're saying, I'm sick. I'm going to throw in a cough drop. Hope that doesn't affect anything. Hey, if you uh, if you got the sore throat and the cough, you should get this uh, brand. It's called Fisherman's Friend. They taste like dog shit, but they work like fucking like they taste like medicine. I've got Halls. No, Halls is, is fucking candy. You're eating candy right now. Exactly. You want the fit, it, it, like I'm telling you, it tastes like. But I, I actually haven't left the house because I was afraid I had COVID because I had like four out of the twelve COVID symptoms. But I went and got tested, and my wife won't let me leave the house and until I become negative. So 
Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. So yeah, that's Paul Dini. So again, uh, executive producers are JJ Damon and Brian Burke. Well, let's talk about the cast really quickly. So, uh, Emily DeRaven, who's Claire, actually does not appear in this episode, but she's also not in the opening credits. Um, I noticed it for the first time in this. I have read that she missed the previous episode also and wasn't billed in it. So I didn't I didn't catch that until now, but it's the first time that those opening credits were altered at all. Uh, and Eve- Emily read the Raven's name taken out of it. So no clear in this episode. Um, the guest stars, uh, Neil Hopkins, who played Liam Pace, uh, Charlie's brother, which I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about. He's American, by the way, in case anyone cared. Hmm. Um, and then the co-stars that were billed after it, uh, uh, Christian Brown, who played Steve Jenkins, and Dustin Watchman, who played Scott Jackson, who were the two guys that randomly showed up on the island. They were there the whole time. Steve and Scott. We'll talk about them a little later also. But uh, And then Glenn Cannon was the priest from that opening scene where he was getting the opening flashback scene. Mm. Um, Dream team. Yep. All right, so uh, this episode covers day eight on the island. So we're actually on day eight in episode seven, so kind of interesting. Um, I did the Paul Dini stuff. So this is a Charlie-centric episode, and according to uh, Damon Lindelof, uh, Charlie is an homage to Larry Underwood from The Stand. I don't know if you guys ever saw The Stand. But uh, it is the, uh, well, I guess read the stand. It's a uh, Stephen King novel, Stephen King novel, which I I don't remember if I have or not. I I, think I have seen this or read it. Okay, so um, this episode was the first appearance of Steve Jenkins, which we said was Christian Brown and Scott Jackson, Dustin Watchman. By the way, Watchman, the new show that just won the Emmy, Damon Lindelof created that. And uh executive producer showrunner for that anyway nothing to do with this uh but the writers said that uh they kept screwing up scott and steve so much that it kind of became a running joke in the writer's room and in later episodes steve would actually be portrayed by dustin watchman instead of christian bovin so they would just call him i don't know if one character i don't remember if one of them died or not but they brought the other guy to play. So these two characters are kind of interchangeable. So I thought that was kind of humorous. And if you guys here got uh, listening, I got a cough drop. I've been a little sick, so sorry. Um, but so did they do that purposefully to just show you how unimportant all the other people on the Island are like, they're just disposable people. Yeah, I, I guess so. Um, like I, they did everything but put them in a red shirt, which I think would yeah, have been funny. Saying, like they're they're there to be destroyed. Like they're just going out to have a morning drown. So they, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so let's uh, let's let's hit this episode. Um, another one where there was no previously unlost, which I always find that interesting. Kind of, I like I like to see where the producers, like what they think you need to know. It's kind of like I'm really big on bands set lists. Like when they go live, like I'm really interested to see 
what songs does this band think I want to hear? So it's kind of the same thing with these previously on Lost. Like, what clips do these producers think I need to hear? So I need to see, be reminded of. And there were none in this episode. So, um, But it opens on a guitar, then fingers, and then the eyes. So uh, we know the series opened with Jack's eyes. Um, I think the, the his first flashback, Jack's episode, also opened with the eyes. So the eyes are kind of a reoccurring theme now. I guess we can officially call it a reoccurring theme in this series. So A motif? Yes, there you go. So, um, oh man, I pulled so many commentary clips. Um, so, I'll, you know what? We'll just, we'll, we'll play this right here. No, no, wait, oh, wait. Never mind. Sorry. Man, we got a lot of editing to do. Um, so indecisive. I know, I know. I've been sitting on this for like three days. Okay, so in this episode, Jack talks about his faith or his lack of faith, actually. And he's talking to, to yeah. uh, Kate. Um, we know that Locke kind of has his faith with the island and Jack's kind of lack of faith. That's kind of another theme that we got. Um, what do you think, Future, about the whole Jack and John? Like what we've seen so mar- so far about both of their kind of faiths. Uh, I think they just have different faiths, right? Locke's is much more traditional. Uh, I I guess you could say Jack has a lack of faith, but I think he's the, he represents the salvation. You have to, you lose your faith in order to, you know, have your, I'm Jewish, so I don't really, whatever. It's a come to Jesus moment, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, without that, that hero's journey, you know, it's much less interesting. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so we we the first flashback we get sent to Charlie going through confessional, um, and I just I wrote down sucks to be him, like talking about how he had sexual relations with one girl, and then he turned around and had sexual relations with another girl. Das, what do you think that his his faith says that, or, or the fact that he even goes to confession? What does that say about Charlie? That's a very good question. I like that you asked that question. I don't, I, I think it, it, it says a lot about his heart that he has a lot, you know, he, he, you know, takes his life seriously. He ascribes a lot of meaning to things. Um, and he's searching for meaning. I think that's what it, that, that's what it suggests to me that he's a deep thinker maybe. Um, because I think, I think that's what faith is, is, is kind of like, a way of, uh, you know, putting meaning into things that for not everyone, not everyone wants that. Not everyone wants to ascribe meaning or have, you know, kind of a set meaning to ascribe to their lives. But people who faith, who have faith, I think that's what, that's what it's for. And so it's interesting to see that he's not just some like hedonistic, you know, I don't know, like, vagabond he, he he's he's actually got a lot of you know well i think they did that more to just add to his his journey but i think you know faith was probably it seems like it was an easier or more accessible backdrop to the what this show is really about which was temptation and overcoming of temptation i mean that was really charlie's whole journey was you know 
even in the confessional, it was about, you know, he wanted to do this thing, the temptation of the women, the temptation of that. But, you know, he has this super ego, which is religion, telling him all of that that is wrong. Yeah, I guess I, I find it a little surprising that he is that he that he even cares. Well, that's how he was. I mean, that's religious people that were raised that way. I mean, they care because they were raised to, to care. It's brainwashing. What do you got? What do you say, Keith? Keith, are you raising What's up? your hand? Raising his hand. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't want to interrupt, but I was going to say, exact. I wanted the question from Gunnar to be to me, but I had the exact opposite answer that Dawes had. Oh, awesome. Oh, I like that. Okay. Yeah. There you go. So yeah. I was looking at it from like the priest's point of view. And when Charlie was like, I had sex with one girl, and the priest was like, okay, and how does it make you feel? And he's like, well, until I had sex with the second girl. And he's like, go on. I was thinking <laughs> of the priest being like living vicariously through Charlie. And he was sitting there in the confessional, and he wasn't really caring to bless Charlie, but he wanted to, he wanted to live through Charlie's life. We, we can both be right. Yes. In fact, I think we are both right. I think yes. Your, yeah, those are not mutually exclusive ideas. Your interpretation is not does not contradict mine. I think we are both correct. No. I think, I think Charlie was not there to you know give the priest a boner. You know? No, 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 not necessarily. But the priest was trying to figure out what it's like to live as a rock star, right? Right, right, right. I think so the whole like, purpose of bit. I think the whole purpose of this scene is just to kind of show where Charlie was. And then eventually we see what he becomes at the end of the episode. Well, so let me, let me pivot on that as well. So like he has a moment with his brother that he's like, he's like, Oh shit. Like, what have I become? I don't want any part of this. And he tries to quit. And his brother's like, no dude, you're, you are the band. We're nothing without you. Right. So he guilts him into being uh, a part of it more. And he's like, well, as long as you're cool with getting out of it, I'm cool with it. Like, like we just have to have a uh, what's the word when you have uh, rough sex? The uh, safe what's word. The, safe word. Yeah. So he's like, we just have to have a safe word, right? And so I'm sorry, I'm still living in that aspect. And um, and so safe then word. then the moment and and fast forward a little bit in the episode, and then he has that scene where his brother takes over as the he takes over his part in the song, and he's like really pissed. He's like this. I have to have a part of this band as well. I'm the bass guitarist, but that's my voice. And he's like, no, he's like, they all are here for me. And then he goes, picks the girls out and he's like, all right, I've, I'm done with you. And then you feel sorry for Charlie. Cause you're like, Oh wow. He's trying to be good. And then now he's on the Island and he's the druggie and the, he needs his fix. Oh, and he's going to look like the one that's, he's going to look like the rock star and he doesn't want to be the rock star. So he's stuck in this, He's stuck in the stereotypical aspect of his life. Well, no, I think it was, uh, again, it comes back to the temptation. You know, he went to the church and was like, I'm done. It's over. And then immediately his brother came in and gave him that temptation and he gave in right away. And that, you know, ties into his whole, you know, jumping later in the episode with his, his whole journey with Locke is the temptation. The drugs are there. The temptation will always exist. It needs to be your decision to not give in to temptation. That's right. whole, if, if the drugs don't exist, he's not making a choice. He's he can't. He's not choosing. Well, no, but he was choosing not to do the drugs, and his brother was choosing to do the drugs. So therefore, well, he I think he also just he wasn't going to reason after his brother fucked him over. He was like, "All right, it's game on, buddy." And then 
we kind of find him in the middle of, of, of uh, you know, kind of throwing his life away because he's just upset. And yeah. Then, it's tough to get out of that. If he's doing heroin and shit, like. But no my point is, I still here. feel like he had to. He had, but back on what uh, Doss was saying, as I felt like he had the heart of being good, he just couldn't get out of. He the wants ditch. to be good. He just he, really know he what wants good to be is. good. That's yes. exactly right. He wants to be good, and he wants purpose, and he wants to be a good person, <laughs> and he's struggling with it, and that's why he goes, you know, goes to the confession box. He doesn't have to do all that. It's a lot of work, you know, mentally. It's taking time out of your day. He doesn't have to do it. It's a lot of guilt to it's a lot to of guilt. Yeah, that. it's a lot to yeah. carry, but he wants <laughs> to have that meaning in his life. I'm not Catholic, but it seems like Catholicism is like 98% guilt. Well, are you a are you a person of faith? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I sure, yeah. What no, is it, it's more it's more shame than guilt. Jews go with guilt, Catholics go with shame. Oh, is that what it is? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, and Hindus have, I guess, karma. You know, I don't know what how that plays into it, but that's but it, what, I, I what recognize it, karma in the confession box. You know, he's trying to understand his karma or something like that. What what do atheists have? A, I don't know. Do you, are you an atheist? I don't know. My wife is, so I'm. I feel like I'm. I could be. So you married you know, into the clan. Well, I mean, okay. So I, I'm in the family by by by, by being raised, but I mean, I'm a nihilist by practice. So I, but you know. You know what? What would what, what Nihilus have? It's the the absence of meaning is the ultimate freedom. If you don't like, you're just like, all right, whatever. I'm just gonna go do whatever. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I seem to have got it wrong. My wife re- uh, corrected me. She's an agnostic, not an atheist. Oh, okay. Uh, yes. She's an undecided voter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, we get a quick shot. I just, I just want the record to state it, you know. <laughs> it has been noted. <laughs> so um, I did catch a an error. I believe there was an error, um, which I caught when I listened to the commentary, because uh, we do see um, Sawyer reading Watership Down, um, and they mentioned the commentary that that was the first time we see Sawyer reading Watership Down. And I seem to remember in the White Rabbit episode, we see him reading. Because I remember we talked about it. It was reading uh, through the looking glass, though, wasn't he? Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, was he wasn't reading Alice, Watership Alice Down? Wonder- oh, yeah, okay. I don't think it was Watership Down. I think it was through the looking glass. Okay, so back-to-back uh, rabbit novels for... He's an avid reader. He is, but well, and then as we'll see the next episode as he continues to read Watership Down. So, um, all right, well, let's keep going. So, so back in the, back to the flashback when they're leaving, I found this interesting. Um, that church that they were at, um, that was also shot in Hawaii. So, so far, everything on this show has been shot in Hawaii, Korea, uh, all those England. I, that looked just like England, if you ask me. All the Sydney stuff, everything so far was shot in Hawaii. So I kind of thought that was cool. So interesting. Good choice. Um. So uh, beautiful. Yeah, the whole show is beautiful for that you know location. And I all- just want to say that uh, we go in a scene with Charlie and for a guy that wanted his guitar back so bad, he's not very good at it. Well, he's <laughs> he's drying out, if you will. I mean, okay, I guess I'll give him the recovering from a heroin angle, but, like, he was not good at guitar. I'm sure. I never even thought about that, but, you know, that's just because he plays the character well. 
Yeah. Good actor. But, but to I me, it, thought, he's not a good musician. No. It no, was it was the Hobbit in him. <laughs> so it, it doesn't sound like he belongs really in any band of any kind. To me, I don't think anything besides that he's just a, a druggy, um, and so he can't help anything right now. Well, I, I like that they showed, you know, again, again with his brother Liam, um, the drugged out rocker version, and then the super clean cut, like religious guy family band, uh, family man version, and how easy it is to judge someone based on how they look, and how easy it is for someone to just basically change their clothes and you know clean their hair and be a completely different person in a crowd. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, let's talk a little bit about drive shaft. Um, now I think drive shaft is obviously based on a band oh, in particular. Do you, know, do you know what it is? I know. I know what it is. I think Nickelback. No, it's, it's gotta be Oasis. I'm, Two British brothers, one named Liam. Exactly. I think it's totally Oasis. It's gotta be Oasis. But it's the the commentary. I keep pumping up this commentary. I can't wait, for Keith, for you to listen to it after the season. But uh, they did. They mentioned the fact that, um, like, Drive Shaft is really nothing more than a one hit wonder band. Um, right. But in Charlie's oh, mind, of, I have I have a funny story about the one hit wonder. So there are one hit wonders. We all everybody, right? Mm-hmm. So you all everybody. Who all? You all. You, you. Oh, that's right. You all. No. So, but, okay. Well, there's a reason I say that because when I heard the um, the intro to our podcast, obviously I haven't seen this episode, right? So I haven't heard him sing it except for the one time he did in the jungle and maybe I just misunderstood him. And so I, I had the subtitles on for my episode today and it was, it said, you all, everybody. And the whole time I thought, you were singing, you are everybody. Oh. And so it's like that scenario where you hear a song for years and then you actually read the words and you realize you were singing the wrong words the whole time. And yeah. so to me, it totally changed what his band was by just hearing those words differently. Well, yeah. I know, I know we, uh, we mentioned uh, the song, but I actually pulled a clip here from one of the special features on the DVD. So let's listen to this really quickly. Uh, listen to them. Uh, describe a little bit of uh, of the song. You ever heard of Drive Shaft? You all, everybody. You all, everybody. We knew that we were going to have to have that song that Charlie's character was singing, the Drive Shaft song, and we had no idea what it was, and it was something we thought we'd write. We were talking to Dom about possibly coming up with, yeah. with a song. JJ and Damon actually said to me that if I wanted to write a song, they would consider it. So myself and uh, my friend Shox in LA actually wrote a song which was called Photos and Plans, which we played for them and they liked. Didn't actually make it into the show. Years ago, Matt Reeves, who's one of our oldest friends, um, had been watching an episode, I believe, of Phil Donahue, just so you understand how many years ago. Where this woman basically stood up in the audience, and I can't remember exactly what she said, but she said, it's like, you all, everybody, acting like it's the stupid people wearing expensive clothes. We'd be sitting in, they call it Video Village, where all the monitors are and, and where we spend a good portion of our day, where we hang out in between everything getting set up. 
nonstop would be saying, you all, everybody, acting like it's the stupid people wearing the expensive clothes. And everybody would crack up. It's like, what, is that, what does that even mean? What is it? You know? So it was just like, you all, everybody. Like, it just became sort of an inside joke. So we, w- one of the things is we kept saying, like, JJ, we have got to write, you know, what Drive Shaft's song is. At one point in a delirious stupor, we realized we had said it so many times that that had to be the song. And on the spot, with Don, our script supervisor, we wrote down all the lyrics of You All Everybody. Then on the day that we were shooting, Charlie and Kate and and Jack walking up, and Charlie first starts humming it to himself. And Kate's like, where do I know that song from? You know, that was the day that the sort of melody was generated. JJ like kind of hummed a a tune to it. JJ was just sort of sitting and goes, You All Everybody. You all, everybody. He's like, just do that, you know, and that was it. I based the voice in the pilot on when Prince puts on his female voice for when he sings, like, If I Was Your Girlfriend uh, on Sign of the Times. He kind of affects this, this female voice, and Beck does it as well. You all, everybody. You all, everybody. So I just thought, well, I'll have a laugh because I don't really know what this song is going to be, so I may as well do the harmonies which is why it became this, you all, everybody, which actually isn't, you know, what it eventually became in episode five, The Moth. But we just took the exact lyrics from that talk show and turned it into a song. We gave it over to this songwriter called Jude, Jude is this uh, amazing local L.A. singer-songwriter um, who I'd first heard of him because he had a song on the City of Angels soundtrack. And him and his band just, you know, brought together this kind of Oasis-esque, ocean color scene you know, not great but not bad tune. We needed a song and we needed <laughs> a specific kind of tone and rhythm and the next day he came in with it and it was great. It was this like perfect pop song. So we knew if we wanted a, a, a catchy song, Jude was the guy to go to. So what do you think? The history now, in the creator's words, the history of you all, everybody. I mean, that was like, yeah, the, that, that clip mm-hmm. was, uh, that's probably the best clip I've heard uh, in this podcast. Good, good. Actually, I found that on YouTube. I'm assuming it's from the DVD, but uh, what I was I was looking for the actual Donahue clip with the, you know, Wayne Spencer clothes. I was looking for that clip, and I stumbled upon this, like, which I'm assuming is on. I got the DVD right here. I don't know if it, uh, it says it on there. It does not say, but uh, so I'm assuming that's on the DVD. But uh, yeah, I think that's a cool story. Very cool. And that's Brian Burke and Damon talking about it. So, um. Well, Future, uh, I was going to tell you. So you remember me saying I had never, I was talking about that song. Well, the very first time we did the intro of this podcast, I had heard the You All Everybody, but obviously I didn't know what that referred to. Well, apparently it referred back to a podcast I'd heard in the past that had that in the intro, right? So I'd recognize that sound. Like, oh, that was a song I'd heard in the past. But come to find out, listening to your documentary about how they were like saying it was something from Donahue and it was a one hit wonder type of thing, it it, it realizes that maybe that just like clicked onto that 
um, part of my brain that they were going for, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a very we, simple melody. It could yeah. be any song you heard, you know, from uh, 95 to 2003. And the fact that I brought it up before you, I set up this clip for you without even knowing it because we didn't set that up. Like it, it all sets it all in place. Yeah, it's totally it's awesome. And by the way, um, you all, everybody is a downloadable track which you can download on Rock Band. Oh, uh, the, the guitar game. Like, yeah, the song has been stuck in my head all week, and <laughs> it is brutal. You are yeah, I feel like the only way I can get it out is with a bullet. You, you know, me and my kids when me and my kids oh, had a rock bastard. <laughs> you know, me and my kids had a rock band. We met every Saturday night at eight o'clock, and we would go down. and I was the drummer, and I had two guitarists and a lead singer, and we literally gave concerts for three hours every Saturday. So night. I'm not gonna no lie, fucking way. No, seriously, and my and my kids will come to me every day, and they talk about our band. Right, and they were like eight. They were like eight, ten, and twelve. And you just yeah. invite your friends over to. No, it was just, it was just, it was just us hanging out as boys. So I and would do that. Who are you giving concerts to? To just us, like we There's we stuff we did the no, we did the game. It was, it was a <laughs> shut up. It was the Xbox game. You know, Have you heard of the Rock Band game? Yeah. So we would play the game as our band. So go in there and you can buy two lost yeah. songs on Xbox. Only one on PlayStation, but there's That's another really cool. uh, song. Um, I Keith, I did the same thing. I still do the same thing, but I go all out. I do a concert. I'll sit there and I'll make a set list. I'll make like a 12 song set list. I set up the mic. I play bass and I sing at the same time. <laughs> I and talk you play, to and the you make crowd. your wife sit there for four hours. No, right? I do and it when everyone's off. asleep so no one sees me. I talk to the crowd in between songs. That's how that's how into this I get. Still this day? Well, it's been a while, but I, it, it, it was uh hey, last hey, week. you need to invite invite me to your invite me to your band, Gunner, and we can be uh I only have PlayStation, I don't have it on Xbox. Game. Yeah, that's great. There's another, there's two. So go in there. It was on the Rock Band Network. So they did this thing called Rock Band Network where you could submit songs to the store. And most of Rock Band Network is crap, but uh, they did do two different Lost songs, and one of them was You All, Everybody. Which That's, that's where I first realized that this song <laughs> is just that line over and over again. Yeah, pretty much. I don't think there's that really anything else. That's funny. So, um, do you have that's, any? That's does anyone else have anything to say about you all, everybody, or Drive Shaft? No, but do we got? Yeah. We, we have a bunch to talk about this cave. Don't yeah, we? that's the yeah, next we thing. Yes, the episode at all. Yeah. yeah, no, I know, I know. We did, I'm, we're not done with this episode. Um, so I wrote down for the cave. I wrote the cave is a great way to take our time on the show, and what I mean by that is. We took our time today. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> no, but what I mean was like they, there was an, it was almost sitcom-y, you know, but at the same time, like it, it moved the story along, but you know what I mean? We're like, eventually you're going to get to the point where what more are you going to do on this Island? But the idea of 
the cave. You know, that's a whole episode, taking one whole day out of the show to solve a, a problem and at the same time develop characters. So. Well, I mean, they needed to create conflict and division between the group. You know, you've got these these little cliques and, and um, coalitions that are forming within their little society. And this was the only way to really shake it up and, and, and you know, split those groups. The fact that they chose the Jack and Kate to go in two different directions just shows that they were, you know, really trying to generate that conflict. I laughed a lot when she was uh, talking about a, a small photo for the wallet. I'm like, oh, man, they're aging this show real bad there. Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone still do photos? I don't even carry a wallet. I don't carry I, a wallet either. I got a money clip with a couple credit, credit card cards. in my yeah. cell phone. That's wild. Interesting. I carry a wallet. You carry a wallet? What about you? Uh, there's a credit card in my cell phone uh, case. So yeah, yeah. Like that's all you need. A little bit of cash. Yeah. Yep. License, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, don't um, care. I don't have a wallet. No. I, I have a bar card and a train pass. So I've, I actually wrote this in the notes, kind of skipping ahead a little bit, but on the same storyline we can just break this up into the three storylines but um i wrote in the notes michael is finally useful which I, which i thought was funny yeah. but then they mentioned that in the commentary i'm like see i'm on their same way same wavelength yeah they needed to because he had been entirely useless up to this point exactly so they needed to give him something where he jumped in and like really took charge and they had to give something for um his son to look up to yeah that was yeah. a very poignant moment where like he sees his dad take charge and like instruct everybody and really like fix the situation and suddenly his dad's not just this schmo that can't do anything right he's actually capable of you know being a fatherly role model yeah yeah um so we also get a really quick clip i i find this humorous but um where the once the cave collapses um i think it was boone goes and finds Locke and and it explains what happened and Locke's like eh, i'm just carving up this boar he like doesn't even yeah. care he's like are He's there like, people helping? <laughs> are there people helping okay I want some and I think that goes tonight. to show like a lot of Locke's character. He's he, you know, like he doesn't care. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I did want to say that uh, they they did a lot of focus on blasphemy in this episode, uh, and especially huh. talking about like a rock god. And if you notice, it was when he shouted about him being a rock god. That's what caused the cave in. Oh, so my guy didn't catch was, that. Good call. It was literal blasphemy that caused this whole collapse and cave in. And this, and I mean, look, it was a bit on the nose that he was literally tunneling his way to salvation. As a moth. Uh, but I, you know, it, it's basically, you know, it's network television. It's got to be accessible for, you know, okay, on the nose works for this show, I guess. <laughs> it didn't take me out of it. I mean, no, even the but, digital. But when it uh, happened, moth, I was like, "Wow, this is really like on the nose." And they did it again later in the episode too. It was like American okay. Beauty on the nose, just yeah. The, the the other one was when they literally showed them. They have the whole lecture about the moth yeah. and the transformation and how it goes. And then the end of the episode is literally you see the moth flying away. I'm like, all right, again, a little on the nose, but <laughs> okay, it it works. 
<laughs> so so while the whole cave-in part's going on, you have the other uh, part of the story where Saeed and Kate and uh, um, your buddy, uh, what's her name, Shannon, I know you love her, oh, uh, and Shannon are going <laughs> to triangulate the thing, and Kate goes to talk to Sawyer, and it is, they, they mentioned this in the commentary, it is the first time in the series we see Sawyer with his shirt off. Oh, okay. And I'll tell you what, not the last. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was going to say, the the whole bit, of, they had to write a line to make, justify why they exist, existed. And it really didn't make the, the whole like, oh, thank God for fireworks smugglers. And that's why they had. They like, mentioned that in the who, commentary. They, who the fuck is smuggling three <laughs> bottle rockets on a commercial flight? I, like, no, there's no one smuggling fireworks. I that have way. that clip. I didn't put it on the board, but I mark that as one of the potential <laughs> of the potential clips from the commentary to put because. Just go in and edit it into this port part right here. Well, no, I, I mean, gotta hear it. I want to know what they say. All right, um, let's see. Because it, it 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 like it didn't bug me, but I remember like raising an eyebrow, growing like, no, that's bullshit. Well, essentially, all they said was, "We get it. No one's gonna smuggle on uh, fireworks on an airplane. We needed it for the story, so that's why we put it in there. We know. No need to complain. We get it. We. That's essentially what they said." <laughs> I'm like, look, I'm giving you guys polar bears and monsters and all this other nonsense. <laughs> I draw the fucking line at someone smuggling <laughs> the little bottle rockets on a <laughs> And somehow those bottle rockets survive. Survive the plane crash. A fiery plane and crash water? and or water. Exactly. Yeah, let us know. So uh, Sawyer also mentions a great line that I wrote down. By the way, I'm sure that never gets brought up in the lost forums. Yeah. I bet nobody ever mentions that. So there's a line later where Sawyer starting the feud with Jack, where Sawyer says, and I quote, with a couple of Band-Aids and a bottle of peroxide, I could be the leader of the island. Daz, you think that's yeah. true? Uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, I do. I think Sawyer's got some, you know, some charisma I, and leadership qualities, but he sets a set, he sets a very bad first impression. You know what he's like to me? He's like the Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, the dark side is strong. With yes, well, he's is. Han, he is Han Solo, though. If you're gonna go with a Star Wars no, reference, he no. is Han Solo. He's the bad boy. With the like, smile. Extremely it's like if, if Indiana Jones didn't have a PhD and he had gonorrhea, that story. <laughs> so let me let me play this clip. So here is the clip I decided to pull from the commentary. Gonorrhea. Damn. <laughs> um, so I, I picked oh, this clip. Fuck you. Sawyer's my favorite character. How He's one of mine, you? too. He's one of mine, too. But he, he alludes to <laughs> venereal disease in another episode. <laughs> So, uh, the, the, so the commentary for this episode was Brian Burke, uh, Damon Lindelof, and uh, Dominic Moynihan. And they had such good chemistry together. But here's the clip that I did pick. There were so many that they talked about, but I thought this one was funny and um, just kind of showed their chemistry also. But it's at the scene when they're getting ready to shoot off the rocket um, and so Kate is talking to Sawyer and it's right before he tells them about 
uh, about Jack and the Caven. So I think this is a great clip. So I'm going to, I'll play this. Dominic Moynihan, Brian Burke, Damon Lindelof. It's an absurdly pretty scene. And notice the sexual tension here as, as Kate holds the bottle rocket in her hand as she speaks to Sawyer. Don't think that's unintentional. Yeah. yeah. I thought you meant the sexual tension in this recording booth. <laughs> that, that too. And Dom, please, please put your pants back on. <laughs> I think it's going to go off in her hand if she's not careful. <laughs> Fire right in her face. Both barrels. Bang! They have a nice chemistry. They do. He's a doctor, right? You hear that Josh Holly said that the dimples in his cheeks he feels are just weaknesses in his bone structure? No, I didn't hear that. That's so de- self-deprecating. Did you hear that Josh Holloway cleans those dimples out with a Q-tip? <laughs> it's a true story. <laughs> and I heard that one juxtaposes get, the other. Yeah, I'm going to get in trouble for that. <laughs> it's true. I'm telling you, it's a great commentary. I, I can't wait for you guys to hear it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just the whole sexual tension. But, well, let me ask you, Future, why didn't... Because... He went there. Sawyer went to catch up with Saeed and Kate to tell her about the cave-in. Why didn't he tell her? Just because she was being an ass to him? Uh, Yeah, she just, you know, he went there with every intention of doing it, and she was shitty to him for no reason. And he was like, yeah, fuck you then. Maybe he, <laughs> di- maybe he dies, and he's no longer a problem. True enough. There you go. It was just the pragmatism. Like, he wanted to do the right thing. She was shitty about it. Tim <laughs> problem might solve itself. <laughs> All right. So um, let's talk about one last thing in this. Well, a couple more things. But uh, Keith, who the hell hit Saeed in the head? Um. Again, you always ask me this question. I don't know. I know. I just want to see what you're thinking. <laughs> well, let me let me ask you first. All right. When you first saw this episode, um, who do you think hit Saeed? And then after, I'll ask you it again at the end of next episode. We'll see if it changes. But if you could remember your point when you first saw it here, who did you think hit him in the head? To be honest with you, I at first I just uh, I wasn't sure who I don't know. I'm 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 clueless at the moment. Good, good, good. Uh, I am. Doesn't future you remember who hit him, right? Yeah. Uh, no, you? I I I I remember va- like I don't remember specifically, but yes. Okay, you remember does? Don't yeah, say I it, but okay, good. I I'm excited. I I uh yeah. All right, Keith, one more. Um, what did you think when he asked the third time? Was it wise to throw... Okay, sorry. I was reading this before I, I read it. So uh, one of the side plots in this episode, which we haven't even talked about, was um, Charlie and Locke, where Locke said, "In three, I'm going to let you ask me three times for the heroin. I on talked the, about it. On the third... Right. Well, yeah, you did, but we didn't talk about this conversation. Um <laughs> So finally, after the whole thing is resolved, they're celebrating by the by the caves. He asks uh, Locke for the heroin the, for the third time. When he first asked Keith, "What what did you think?" 
Well, I just thought he's uh, SOL <laughs> at this point, right? And, and then what did you think when he threw it in the fire? I was like, well, I guess now he really is SOL because he's going to, like, go apeshit, right? Yeah, but it was his choice. Again, it was not giving in to temptation. He he made the distinction. Uh, uh, so- no, no, I don't get that. But I'm saying, like, I may, maybe I'm thinking more of a short term, right? Does anyone- like the withdrawal well, aspects. The point of, I mean, temptation is short-term gain or pleasure at the sacrifice of long-term gain and well-being. Right. Why does no one seem to care that he threw heroin into a fire with a freaking like eight-year-old kid on the island? Dude, there is, first of all, that- (laughs) Well, you're talking about flame? You're talking about like secondhand heroin? There's there's no way. He's no one's getting high off that. Okay, the, the amount of fire and the the amount of the small okay, amount. Okay, d- I'm not a heroin guy. I don't know. I'm just asking. I'm I mean, not either. Common sense. Films, you got to do it. Common in like heroin a, sense. <laughs> uh, so I did want to say that the the asking three times is actually it's an old Jewish tradition um, where like if you wanna if you wanna convert to the Jewish faith like they, the rabbi will literally make you ask uh, make you ask him three times. If you wow! Want, yeah, it, it's is like John Locke Jewish. No, I don't believe so. But again, that that you know tradition might you know carry over into other faiths as well. I just know it as as because that's my you know background. That's interesting. interesting. That is very interesting. I'm, I, I'm yeah, no, the, glad yeah. you're here with us, Fuch, to drop the Jewish knowledge on us. I like that. <laughs> that's why we took Monday off because like, yeah, of the I don't, Jewish I holiday. Like it can't be a coincidence. <laughs> Uh, so I actually did want to ask, why the fuck would they give that uh, the bottle rocket test to Shannon? They got like five <laughs> other people, like able-bodied, there. smart, yeah, that, like non-whiny bitches, brained you know, like that haven't consistently proven they screw up every single thing they attempt to this point. Like ah, the, the plethora of options. And uh, you know, immediately when they get to the scene, she's off, you know, bunking off, you know, flirting with some gal. She's not even doing her job. She had one job. <laughs> one. For shame. That's one. awesome. The worst. So the, la- the last thing I have about this was at the time uh, that it aired, this was the highest rated episode of Lost. And the producers uh, seemed to believe it was because it was heavily promoted as a Charlie episode. And like we said, Charlie was probably the big name going into this, though Matthew Fox was on Party of Five and John Locke was on Alias uh, or... Uh, Terry O'Quinn, I should say, was on Alias. I think that uh, he was the main star. And if you think, I mean, look, the Lost DVD, Charlie is on the cover with Kate and Jack. They were the first three to actually kind of have their backstory kind of explained in the pilot before they actually went and did these flashbacks. So I think that is... uh, Saying a lot. Hey, I I have a side question. So we we were talking about when um, Sawyer ran up and caught up with Kate. So that you know, Kate and them had been trudging trudging through the jungle for quite a bit. He caught up pretty fast. How did he catch up like immediately? Maybe he uh, put some band aids on, drank some peroxide, and ran out there. And just that was his go fuel. Apparently, like he (laughs) he caught up to them so fast. Hey, go go gadget skates or whatever. Speaking of uh, speaking of uh, go go gadget, it was uh, it was locked that uh, hit site. 
Uh, that's maybe. My, that's my guess. That's your guess. Why do you say that? Right. Well, you know, we'll get into that next episode because there's actually uh, I, a scene in. I just, I'm just bearing the lead, but that's that's my pick. So, so before we move on to episode eight, is there any other final thoughts in this episode, guys? No. Oh yeah, just uh, Charlie's gonna be so mad the first time he busts a guitar string. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's gonna ruin his day real bad. Yeah, that that will be very bad. Uh, <laughs> but uh, my my one last comment is that like Locke's, you know, further establishing himself as kind of this father figure, you know, with this this whole you know explaining the moth thing and even just taking on this responsibility of, of saying you know asking three times for it, like well, he's taking you know, responsibility for his whole detox. Right, he's doing this whole. That's I know he's doing this whole massive, ritual, with, right? That's, that's for a, a huge, guy he barely you know, knows. Exactly, exactly, right. So like, and 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 that 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 is like on the one hand, like fatherly and kind of admirable. Like, oh, thank God, Locke's here to like help this guy and take an interest in him. But I'm also like, huh, that's odd that this guy is taking that much of an interest in him. Again, is that him. just to bring support over to his coalition? Is it? No, under- I, I think he. I think he thinks. Well, I'm just, plan- I'm just planning that yeah. scene because, um, you know, the heroin problem would have solved itself eventually. <laughs> right. Like, right. He didn't have to intercede. Like, like you, yes, give him, give him another point. week. There'd be no yeah, more. Like heroin. You said three days not- later, and Charlie would have done all the heroin. But that was hence my point. Let's say Charlie's fucked because, like, he's going to go through OD and like die. Was the can OD on that little bit he had left? He was like, well, not not OD. I mean, like, um, I guess withdrawals is what I meant. The opposite of OD. He's gonna go through bad withdrawals, but he was doing that regardless. His little three bit, uh, uh, three days worth on that little tiny gram's not gonna do him anything. So I find it interesting that so they they only show them snort the heroin because of the network TV. There they weren't allowed to shoot. Oh, you can't freebase on on network. No. But I, I find it interesting that why wouldn't they just pick Coke if they're not allowed to uh, shoot it's, it? The whole detox on Coke is not nearly as as terrifying as it is on hero, oh, from heroin. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, dude, heroin detox, uh, you know. Yeah, it's, it's much worse. I, I think heroin's better for the story. It's juicier. Good, good. Yeah, good. it's more um, exotic. Yeah, if you if you will, <laughs> it's it's definitely more taboo. Yeah, exactly. Is it more uh, rock star heroin? It's more dangerous. Well, more dangerous. It, Coke's, Coke's pretty rock star, but um, heroin heroin is like, easier to OD on than cocaine. Yeah, hard, I can't. I mean, that's hard to do. OD on cocaine. You know, uh, I don't know about hard. It's harder. <laughs> <laughs> harder to. It's. I've. I've. I've certainly. You, you are know. more likely to OD on a heroin than yeah. you are on, on cocaine. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we move on. Did we lose anyone? But, do you guys mind if I make a phone call? I have a client calling me. Sure. Go for it. Oh, go for it, dude. Before we, can... we start the next one, it'll probably well, be like. We didn't minute. wrap this one up. We can take a break, though. Yeah, we'll take a little break. Did we, did we not wrap this up yet? We're, we're doing it right now, buddy. 
Make your call. Make your, you know what? I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna stop the recording. I'm gonna go. I'll, I'm gonna go grab something like, to drink real fast. So I was, I was like, I was like, Doss, we were like two minutes away from finishing up. But we're like literally in the middle of wrapping it up. We had already done it for some reason. No, that's all right. We to, uh, we're gonna take a little break. It's all right. We're okay, just giving fine. you. Hey, we're just giving you shit, Doss. Go okay. be a lawyer. <laughs> oh, that was funny. <laughs>